Well, good singing this morning. I'll be praying for the Guppies as they travel home tomorrow. Be uh, coming home from Baton Rouge, so a little bit of a drive tomorrow. Pray for them. Go over our announcements real quickly, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Kind of back to our regular schedule this week. Last week with the holidays, things were a little different. Uh, we will have prayer time here at the church Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. Um, outreach will be Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, Tuesday night, we have our float preparation time at 6.30. Um, just a few more weeks before our float. The float is the 17th. Um, so, uh, what is that? Three Saturdays from now, I think, if I got my time right. So, a lot of work to be done in a short period of time um, in preparation for this. So, uh, if you can help us on Tuesday nights, please do. If you're available to help at other times, let me know and we'll figure out something. We'll give you work to do. There's stuff that needs to be done. Um, then Thursday night at 7 p.m. is our Bible prophecy class, studying through um, Robert Sargent's work on Bible prophecy. So if you can be there for that, I encourage you to come on seven, at 7 on Thursdays. Just a, a good time of discussion, and uh, sometimes, we, sometimes we veer away from the textbook at hand, but um, we do discuss the Word of God. So uh, I am, I'm always encouraged by Thursday night Bible study and Encourage you to come if you can. December 3rd is the Ladies' Cookie Exchange. Um, is that this weekend already? Okay, <laughs> I can't keep up. Uh, so this Saturday is the Ladies' Cookies ex- Exchange at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. December 15th is Homeschool Day. December 17th is Christmas Parade. The 18th we have missionaries here, the Keller family going to Italy. Uh, so keep that in mind as well. And then uh, 21st of December is our Christmas caroling. Um, we're going to go around and sing for folks, and uh, I always love Christmas caroling nights, a lot of fun. We'll have hot chocolate and stuff after that here at the church that evening. And then um, December 25th, so Christmas is on a Sunday this year, um, we're going to have our Sunday Christmas Day service at 1045. We're going to let people sleep in a little bit, and we won't have Sunday school class this one Sunday, okay? So you can, you can get up and go through your stockings or whatever you do on Christmas morning, and uh, hopefully read the Christmas story and focus your children on the Lord instead of all the worldly things of Christmas. But we have a lot of traditions, and those are fun and good. So do those on Christmas morning. Then we'll have church at 1045, and we have a Christmas program the evening of Christmas at 5 o'clock. We're, we're working on a Christmas cantata, and uh, there's going to be the children's choir and the adult choir and then some, some solos and duets and some speaking parts and so Pray for us as we prepare this, um, and then invite folks out. I know it's different to be in church on a Christmas evening, but, uh, I mean, where else, where else can we be to celebrate the birth of Christ than with the church? So uh, hopefully we can see some visitors as well on Christmas night. Okay, so those are the announcements. Uh, I think that's enough <laughs> for today. Take your Bible, turn to Psalms 119. 119, uh, verse... 49 through verse 56. One of the sections of Psalms 119, we know it's broken up in in eight verse sections according to the alphabet. Um, Verse 49 is where we're going to begin reading. We'll read down through verse 56. I asked Daniel to read part of the passage this morning. But I want to read the entire text right now. It says in verse 49, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. 
The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. This I had, because I kept thy precepts. I titled the message this morning, This I Had, and that statement sticks out to me. Every time I read through Psalms 119, this I had. There is something in my possession. And that's not a, just a past tense phrase. I mean, it's written as a past tense, but in the Christian life, when I say this I had, I'm in possession. I've had it, I have it, and I will have it. <laughs> it's, it's past, present, and future. As we look at this statement, and, and I want to look at two points this morning, just uh, briefly today. My first one is my plight. David lays out some, some issues here in this, but then he says my peace. In the midst of these issues, there's, there's peace. Why? Because I kept thy precepts. Because we have the Word of God. We have hope because we have the Word of God. If you don't rest in the Word of God, you have no hope. So this I had is, my t- is the title of the message this morning. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and I'll look at the plight, David's complaint, and, and his peace. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we need you right now. I ask that you would guide us as we open your word. Father, that your spirit would move among us, that we can submit to the teaching. Lord, that our hearts would be moldable and, and Father, surrendered to you today. Lord, guide in, in all that I say, Father, that it is according to your will. Give me wisdom and strength. Use your word right now. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So he says two things in this passage that I, that I put under the title or under the point of my plight. In verse, verse, uh, in verse I can't speak, in verse 51, he says this, The proud have had me greatly in derision. The proud have had me greatly in derision. The proud are mocking me. Right? His plight is, first of all, I'm mocked. Thought about it. It is, it is what we can all say is our plight. And, it, and it's only going to get worse. It's growing worse and worse. We are, we are looked down upon if we stand upon the Word of God. We're mocked if we stand upon the Word of God. If I say there are things I cannot and will not do because the Word of God says so. The Bible thinks we're, I mean, the world thinks we're weird. There's something wrong with those people. Now, my time working in the, in the secular world, I, I, I saw it every day, and I know that you all do. You see it every day. Those that, that stand upon the Word of God, that will not bend in certain areas of their life. You know, for me, back in working iron, and I've given this testimony, it was my language. I wouldn't swear and it was my drinking. I don't drink. You know what? Give testimony to the glory of God. I've never ha- had a single drop of alcohol in my life. Amen. And I stood on that. I'm not going to start. I have no need for it. The Bible says my focus is to be on God. And that alcohol takes my focus off of Him. I'm not going to do that to myself. Because the Word of God says not to. Well, they thought I was an idiot. Strange. They despised me for that, at least openly. 
So the, the world's going to mock us. And David's saying this. Oh, proud of having me in derision. They think I'm, in it. They think I'm weird. They laugh at me behind my back. And you know, we, we, can, say, we can say that it doesn't bother us. You know, I've got thick skin. <clears throat> I'm tough. Every one of us, it will affect us at some point in our life. Every one of us, it hurts a little bit, whether we want to admit it or not. So it can, it can start to affect us. And, and David is very open in his emotions. David does, is not real guarded in where he was in his life. He wrote it just like it was. I, I'm, I'm at the edge of falling. He says there's times that, that they've pushed me right to the edge of just despair. Paul, I mean, David was not, was not ashamed of where he was, was in his life. Just laid it out there. We're, we're pretty guarded in America today. Our, our wives ask us, how are we doing? What are you thinking? That's a funny one. You should probably shouldn't ask your husband what he's thinking. First of all, he doesn't really know. And secondly, you're going to be embarrassed by what he is thinking because it's probably so shallow, you know, like, well, the car today. Probably need to put air in the tires. And, and the wife is thinking some complex emotional thing, and, and we're over here like, meh. Saw a bird today, or there was a deer walk by. I know that's getting off point, but we're guarded in our emotions. That's something we keep in the recess. She asks me what I'm thinking. She wants me to lay out some emotions. You know what? This was difficult for me today. It's not something I divulge. It's not my first thought to lay out, well, you know what? You know, this person said this to me today, and this is how it made me feel. <laughs> we don't do that. But it is true that it, it affects every single one of us. And at some point in your life, if you allow it to, if you just focus on those things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change how you live. It's going to affect what you do day by day by day because the proud are always going to have us in derision. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. 18 through 19 says this, 18 and 19, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus said, listen, just know one thing. If you're, if you're saved and changed and different, separate from the world, they're going to hate you because you're pointing out their sin. And it's not that they hate you, they hate Christ living in you. If the world doesn't hate you, if the proud doesn't have you in derision this morning, you need to check your salvation. And that's what the Bible says. If Christ lives in you, the world's going to hate you. They're going to have you in derision. They're going to mock and think you're weird and make fun of you. Now David's got another thing here. He said that horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law in verse 53. Horror hath taken upon me, he said, hath taken hold upon me. And I, I talk about this a lot because the more we look at the world, the more of an issue it's going to be. The more we see America going the way America is going, the more we need to have confidence in God and know that fear is not of God. I just wrote a few things down that the world is waxing worse and worse. And we know there's no new thing under the sun, but the Bible says as 
the time nears that Satan ramps up his efforts and the world gets worse and worse. And America is as wicked, more wicked right now than it's ever been. And it feels like we're on a very steep downhill slope. It feels almost just hopeless. Now, God is able to do all things. He can change our country. He could bring us back to God. Nineveh repented. They were very wicked. But if we look around the world, I just wrote a few things down. I, I thought about these things. You know, one of the number one things in America to me is abortion. That we murder our unborn is just unbelievable. Wrap our head around the fact that we rip them from the womb in little pieces and throw them in the trash. I don't care what stage of pregnancy you've killed a person. A life that is precious in the sight of God. In, in America in 2020, this is the last statistics I could find. In 2020, there was 930,160 abortions. At a self-pay cost of 568 bucks a piece. I thought about that. 568 bucks is all it takes to, to snuff out a life? That's heartbreaking to me. It's sickening to me. 61% of Americans believe that abortion should be legal. We wonder why America is where it is. Because we've given ourselves over to a humanism. We worship the God of self. There's only one reason we abort children. We sacrifice them to a God of ourself. This child is going to inconvenience me, and that's all it takes to kill that child. I just don't want it. 20.6% of pregnancies in America end in abortion. I look at this, and horror takes upon me. What, what do we do about it? We get on our knees and we pray. Lord, forgive us of this great sin. And we can, we can you know, try through political means and, and, and try to shape our government in a way that we've seen some progress in America. But if I just focus on it, it, it's almost, it can cause us to despair. What about the immoral agenda in America today? This idea of political correctness, that we have to be accepting of all things. Well, the Bible is not accepting of all things. Sin is sin, and God hates it. Period. We are considered, I, I, I will train my children to know that they're a boy and to know that they're a girl, and that's all they will ever be. God made them perfect. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't put them in the wrong body. That's satanic. Satanic. I don't hate those people. Our hearts should break for those people. They're bound for hell because Satan has a hold of them. It's satanic. My children will know that they're boys and that they're girls, and they will rejoice in that, that God does all things well. But you know, I'm now a domestic terrorist because I teach my children that in America today. Well, that could cause horror to come upon me. What if they take my children away from me? One of the greatest fears for me as a parent is to see my children taken away from me. You might not agree with me. I'd rather they died than were taken from me. 
especially kidnapped if I don't know where they're at or what's going on. I will fight tooth and nail to protect my children. But I'm a domestic terrorist, and if I look at it that way, I start to get a little fear in my heart. It's pretty intimidating to think about what can happen to our children today. God says those that fear the Lord, their children will have a place of refuge. But it's frightening. And it's heartbreaking. The suicide rate among children, among people who are what we call transsexual, is super high. And it's not because they're not accepted by the rest of us. It is because they're in despair. They don't have any identity. They need to meet Christ and know that their identity is in Him and that He's done all things well. So it's frightening to see this trend in America today. It's heartbreaking to see what's happening to our young people. Chapter 56 of Psalms. Turn with me there. 1 through 3. It says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. My enemies would daily swallow me up, for they are many that fight against me. O thou most high. It says then, verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, when I look at these things and fear is in my heart, and trust me, there's nothing wrong with fear. You should be afraid of certain things. <laughs> Logic tells us that. God put, us, put that within us. A dog comes at you to bite you. There's going to be a little fear there. Satan's coming at you to bite you. There should be a little fear there. But I don't live the rest of my life fearing that dog that will come after me. I don't set in my life fearing the wicked because they're coming after me. In the moment of fight or flight, there can be some fear. Is this, am I clear as mud? But I can't live my life according to it. What time I am afraid, the, fear, the times of fear, I want to have this hold, this faith in God that I'm going to trust in you. So that when the fear comes upon me, it doesn't overwhelm me. I just cling to God. I hang on to Him. Now back in our text, these, this is His plight. He says, uh, I'm mocked and I'm afraid. But He says, I have comfort. My second point is my peace. My plight and my peace. Number uh, chapter or verse 52 said, I remembered thy judgments, O Lord, o, of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. You know, the peace of God is in this book. The peace of God is because I have the perfect word of God. This is why we, this is why we cling to the King James Version and we fight tooth and nail for it. Because I believe God preserved His Word perfect for me right here. And I can open it and read it and know that it's right. And in my time of fear, where should I turn? Right here. Hang on to this. I remember thy judgments, O Lord, and 
of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. I, I, I'm being mocked. They, 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 are, they are having their fun at my expense. I'm going to remember your judgments. I'm going to stop and I'm going to open your word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7 through 10. <coughs> Excuse me. Second Timothy chapter one, seven through ten says the but God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We like to quote this verse, and it's true. Every time I have a spirit of fear, it's not from God. Anytime I look at the situation and this this dread starts to creep up in my heart and my mind, it's not of God. He's not giving me that spirit. Verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, we stop at verse 7 a lot. I'm I'm guilty of it. I don't go into verse 8. Verse 8 is, Because God has given me a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind, I'm therefore not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of his prisoner, but I'm going to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. I'm going to step out and suffer the consequences of serving God. And there are consequences. There is a cost. Boy, that cost stops us from serving Him many times. I will not give up these things. I'm not going to go into this this difficult situation. I wonder what uh, Mrs. Trell would say about that today. She lost her husband on the mission field a couple weeks ago, shot and killed. The man knew the danger that he was in. The family knew the danger they were in. But they had a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. They didn't live their life in fear. They had peace. They had comfort. Now she has comfort in the Word of God in the time of great loss. I don't know what it's like to lose a spouse. I can't imagine the pain that she's going through. I don't want to diminish it in any way. I don't want to take away from it or, or make light of it. But I know that her comfort is in here. And she's saying that. She's not ashamed. She took on the afflictions of the gospel. She's suffering that right now. Verse 9 says, Who hath call, saved us and called us with his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God, God predestined something for you and for me. And it ought to excite us. Not my salvation. Not my salvation. He gave me free will in that. And I praise him for that. But he did something. He, he called us, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Throughout eternity, God had a purpose for you and grace set aside for you and for me. So yes, the world is going crazier and crazier and I think about my, I point here because I think about my children and what they will face in the future. But God has a purpose and grace for them. Think about that. That gives us strength. Therefore, I have the power of a sound mind. Not in my own strength. We're all worthless. We're all dirty, rotten sinners that are absolutely incapable of serving Him. You know your flesh, it's rotten. 
Your lusts are rotten. And yet God says, I've purposed something for you. A very specific, perfect plan for you. And in that, I'm going to show you my grace and my strength. And he knew what time of the world we were going to be living in. He didn't put us in 2022 by accident. He didn't give us children in 2022 by accident. He's looking to the future. I'm going to use those children. So it removes the fear. Ought to cause us some excitement. You know what? They're going to face some pain. They're going to face some trials. But in that trial and in that pain, they're going to see the grace of God. How exciting is that? It doesn't get better than that. I don't wish pain and sorrow on them. But if in that they see the power of God, then I'm going to rejoice in it. He's given us this specific purpose so then we can have the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Not afraid of what's coming around us. So he has comfort. David said, in your word I have comfort, I have joy. He also has a song that goes along with the joy that I just mentioned. Verse 54 back in our text. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. One of the, one of the uh, Patch the Pirate tapes that we listen to, if you're familiar with Patch the Pirate, they've, they've done children's tapes for over 40 years. And they're all a little story and different scenarios. Ron Hamilton lost his eye when he was young and he put a patch over it. And the kids at church started calling him Patch the Pirate. And God used that. So they have all these stories where he's captain of the Jolly Roger and they travel all over the world and even through time and they and there's always a moral lesson in their teaching in there and one of them they're in Italy and all the gondolas are being sunk somebody is pouring this really strong concentrate of garlic in the floor of the the gondolas and there it eats through the floor and the gondolas sink and one of the one of the saddest things in Italy is that there's no singing all the songs are gone. And there's this one bad guy who stinks of garlic very badly. Uh, Halitosi is his last name. Uh, anyway, he is sinking all the gondolas because he doesn't want to hear the singing. And they make a point in this episode of saying that he doesn't have a song in his heart. And how sad it is that he doesn't have a song in his heart. You know, that's scriptural. If you don't have a song in your heart, you're not focused on God. You're looking at your own things, things that are going on in your life. God gives us a song. We're to speak unto ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart unto the Lord. It's such a joy to, le- to listen to children sing. Yesterday we walked out of the Weiss's house there in Missouri, and they, they got a, their front yard is, is a big long hill up to the, to the road there, and Three or four of the boys, I don't know who all. I know Matt was involved because he sings louder than any kid I've ever known. Uh, they're in the tree. They, they climbed the tree out by the mailbox. And so they're in full view of about three houses up at the top of the hill. And, and they're up there singing Victory in Jesus and then several other hymns. And I think they sang a couple uh, Christmas songs. They've been waiting until I would let them. And uh, so now we're singing Christmas songs at our house. So joy to the Lord is just belting out uh, from the top of the hill. 
And Pastor Weiss and I stood there and watched them for a little bit, just blessed by it. They wanted to sing to the Lord. Now, kids are less inhibited than we are. They're not thinking, well, they're going to think we're weird over here standing in a tree. I mean, it looked a little odd, right? They're standing up on top of a tree singing Christmas songs, singing Victory in Jesus. Do we have a song in our hearts? Could you have walked up on the hill and joined them? Or are we, are we just focused on ourselves and the things around us? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> I'm going to read 8 through 20. It says in verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are, are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced, you'll probably hear me, hear me say this a lot, that contentment in the Christian life is a result of maturity. As I grow in Christ, I become more content in all that He does. So then I can look at verse, verse uh, Verse uh, nine, uh, 20, give me a second and I'll get there. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The circumstances don't remove the song. If I'm growing in Christ, yes, hardships will come. Yes, trials will come, but I'm going to be thankful for them. If I'm thankful for them, I can continue singing in them. If I feel it's unfair and I've been put upon and this is not right, I didn't deserve this, then I am not thankful for what God is doing. And the song will be taken from my heart. If I look at the way our country's going and I just let it get me mad and think, boy, you know, if the founding fathers could come and see where we are today, they'd, they would just sit and weep. And they would. But as I said before, God knows all things. He knew that He would put us in America today for a purpose. And He knew where America would be and where the world would be. And the difficulties that we will face, the difficulties that other Christians around the world will face. And He said, speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks always for all things. Because God is in control. I don't find that anywhere but in His Word. So Christian, in the time of struggle, when I'm starting to lose my joy, I need to stop and sit and read His Word. 
Say, Lord, speak to me again through your word. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Let me see my purpose and let me see your grace. And let me see your power in my life so that I can serve you. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So he got his song from the word of God. Back to our text, verse 52 and 55, he said one statement that I wanted to bring out. He said, I have remembered thy judgments. In verse 55, I have remembered thy name. You know, that's faith. I have to stop and remember who I serve. That's faith. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and serve me. I remember our faith grows as we see God work. Our faith grows as we step forward and say, Lord, you've been with me to this point. You said you'd be with me tomorrow. This is a frightening step. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the end of this day, but I'm going to follow you, Lord. Because I know that you're with me. I've looked in your word and I've seen the promises in it. And I know that it's true. What did God tell Moses? I I think about this step of faith a lot. God meets Moses in the burning bush. And David, I mean Moses, walks up as far as God would allow him. Took off his shoes and stood there and talked to God. God said, you're going to go to Egypt and you're going to bring my people out. And Moses, after 40 years of being humbled and as a sheep herder and a servant, he goes, I'm not able to do that. I can't do what you're asking me. It's too big of a task. You're asking me to go and, and, and tell the most powerful man in the world to release somewhere in the area of three million people to my leadership? They're going to just mock me and laugh if they don't take off my head. And God said... You're going to go and I'm going to speak through you. And then Moses says, but what, if the, what about the people of Israel? What are they going to say? And God says, you tell them that I am that I am hath sent you. You say that in following you, you're following the self-existent one. And when God tells Moses this, not that Moses didn't complain and argue a little bit there. God finally got after him pretty good. He goes in faith to Egypt. And I've thought about it. The first plague didn't work. The second plague didn't work. There's ten plagues that he has to go through before God fulfills the promise to Moses. They're laughing at him. They hate him. He's probably looking and thinking, well, what happens if I don't get them out? So there's some fear. There's fear of going and standing before Pharaoh yet again. And yet, God had given him this promise that I am that I am is with you. And Moses fell back on that and went back and did his job. I am that I am has sent us. There's faith. My peace revolves around the Word of God, and in the Word of God I find comforts, I find a song, I find faith. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Verse 1. 
Verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. In the Lord Jehovah is victory. In the Lord Jehovah is our assurance, our strength, our confidence. We do, we view the world as immovable and unbreakable, right? The forces of evil are just overcoming. And, and And we see this just, like I said, it looks like it's on a, steep downhill slope and our morality is just gone. And it can dissolve our strength. In the Lord Jehovah, the self-existent, powerful one, is my strength. The victory is already made, already done. It's promised and I don't have to fear or be, be, uh, be unsure of where I'm going if I'm following Him. I, I like the contentment that comes. Thank you, sir. I like the contentment that comes in knowing God. The peace that comes. It's what the world is looking for and they cannot find outside of that. I like the song. Boy, what a joy it is to be around someone who's singing. Just from their heart, and you can tell that there's joy in that heart. But this idea of faith and strength is just amazing to me. God's not willing, not, not, His will is not that we have peace and a song and set in the pew, but that we take up the sword and we go into battle in confidence. In confidence. We're already, the battle's already won. I know I've used this illustration so many times and it's silly, but if you were going to play basketball, and you knew that Michael Jordan and LeBron James were on your team, you'd, you'd willingly go play. Like, all right, this is, this is in the bag. We're going to win this one. There's no problem here. If, if Tom Brady was your quarterback, not Patrick Mahomes, maybe John Elway, the greatest of all time. I'm a Bronco fan, so I can say that. Would you, would you have any fear of playing that game? And, and we, we see the world this way, but we're afraid to go in and tackle the forces of evil. We're afraid to go into a, an unknown area of our life, that next great step of faith or whatever it is that God is leading in. Maybe it's a financial step. Maybe, maybe it's a physical change of direction. I don't know what it is. But it's a battle in every front. It's a battle, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the prince of the power of the air. So it's a spiritual battle. But we're just along for the ride. God said to Jehoshaphat when the host of the enemy was camped about, stand still and see the deliverance of God. 
So yes, there is a plight. We, we all can fall under the derision and let it affect us. We can start listening to the world and be discouraged by it. Or we can start looking at the, the wickedness of the world and be paralyzed in fear. If we just lived in fear, I would find a place somewhere as remote as humanly possible and move my family there. You know what? Probably out of the United States. I'd probably find some place as, as far out in the jungle of Brazil or something like that as I could possibly be so that nobody knows where I'm at and I'll live there and I'll raise my kids as I want. That would be the fear response. But when I have faith, I can say God's going to use my family in a mighty way. Not because we're anything, but because He said, My will is that you see my purpose and my grace in your life. If you're not saved this morning, can I challenge you to look in the Word of God? Because there's no peace outside of it. We don't have peace as Christians. If I'm not in the Word of God, I don't have peace. If you don't know Him as your Savior, you're going to live in a constant state of fear. Whether you admit it or not, death is, death is fearful. Life is fearful. You don't want to have a life that's empty and vain. Well, you can't have purpose outside of Christ. Do you want to have peace? you want to have a song? you want to have strength in your life? It comes by knowing Christ as your Savior. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The direction, the purpose, the way, the truth, and the life. And the strength is all through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him as your Savior, I encourage you to get in the Word of God. Speak to someone here today. Talk to someone. You know, the men in this church, the women in this church, love you and want to help you. No one here would mock anyone else. No one here is going to think less of anyone else. If we have spiritual questions, we're going to endeavor to, to serve the Lord together. Edify one another. If you, if you need to ask someone about your salvation, please don't hesitate to do that. I'm never going to pressure anyone to get saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But I can plead with you because I know it's true. And I know that life is short Time is limited, and eternity is sure. Hell is real, just as much as heaven is real. Christian, are you living in the Word of God? This I had. This I had. This peace and joy and strength I had because I kept thy precepts. I can't get past that verse. I love it. This I had because of your Word. Not because David was great, but because he had the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for each one here. Father, you've brought us together for a purpose. Nothing is a mistake ever. Lord, you knew who would be here today, and you knew the message that you would give me to preach. So, Father, it had a purpose in each life, and I ask that it would be successful in that. Father, that the... Uh, each individual, Lord, would be surrendered to your word. If there's rebellion in a heart and life today, Lord, help, 
Help that individual to, to humble themselves, to submit to your word. Lord, if there's someone that's lost today, I don't know the hearts, but you do. Help them to see their sin for what it is. Lord, it is, it is, the, it is the cause of death. And Lord, the wages of that sin is eternal separation from you. But you died for them, Father. Help each one of us, Lord, just to be honest with you in the next few minutes. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. This time of invitation, if the Lord spoke to your heart, maybe you need to come forward. Maybe you need to deal with it right there. I, I just want you to be honest with yourself and with the Lord at this time. Have you been fearful? Is there a song in your heart? Maybe horror's taken upon you. Maybe, maybe the, the attack of the world has, has worn you down and you are feeling weak because you're just tired of that fight. The Bible says, get back in the Word of God and be strengthened by it. Are you saved today? Do you know Him as your Savior? Could you say, I have a relationship with God. I know He's my Father and I walk with Him day by day. If you don't have that relationship, the Bible says He's standing at the door and knocking. He loves you unconditionally. Hasn't given up on you. Brought you here for a reason and a purpose because He's giving you another chance today to turn your heart and soul over to Him. Humble yourself before Him.